The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We are America, and we truly do believe you're the backbone of our nation. Thanks to you, we're living free. We're a quilt of many colors, and we breathe red, white, and blue. We're America, your country, and America wants you. It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition with Gary Ray, along with his co-host, Linda Crater. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray with his co-host, Linda Crater. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network. Today is June 3rd, 2014. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Linda Crater, President and CEO for VeteranCaregiver.com. How are you doing this morning, Linda? I'm doing very well, Gary. Thank you for asking. Your weekend was good? It was fantastic. All right. We also have Lieutenant Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army retired, former Deputy Secretary for the Veterans Administration in Maryland, also past Department Commander for the DAV for the State of Maryland. How are you doing this morning, sir? Just great. Good to be back in the area. Good, good. Yeah, you've been on vacation, huh? Uh, uh, You don't want to call it that, though. (laughs) Work, no vacation. (laughs) <laughs> right. Jim Klug is also with us this morning. He is the National Public Relations Director and historian for the Military Order of the Purple Heart. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, all. All right. Good morning. All right. Good just morning. to remind, uh, I just want to remind everyone that the veteran trek guys, Anthony and Tom, still need your help. As you already know, Tom and Anthony walked 2,700 miles, I think it was four pairs of tennis shoes, from Milwaukee to L.A. to bring awareness to veteran homelessness, unemployment, PTSD, TBI, and suicide epidemic that sees 22 veterans take their lives every day. These two veterans are producing a documentary of their walk, and they're ready to dive into the edit, but they need your support. Go to sunrisedocumentary.com, which is the name of the production company, or go to the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com homepage, scroll down to that sketch of Anthony and Tom with their long beards, and click on it. Be sure to watch the movie trailer and donate what you can. Also, be sure to share this campaign with everyone you know on Facebook and Twitter. Last day to reach their goal is June 10th, and the last time I looked, they had probably about $9,000 to reach their goal, which uh, they did over $20,000 the first week they started. That's seven days to go, so good luck, guys. We have quite a guest with us today, and Jim, how long have you known our guest? Well, uh, I guess probably I, we only go back a year, but it seems mm-hmm. like because of the activity level that Wendy uh, operates on at a daily basis, uh, it's only been a year, but it seems like far longer because, like I say, there's so many things that Wendy's involved with. 
Oh, yes, yes. Uh, well, you have the honor of introducing her. Well, it is a privilege. Uh, Wendy is, uh, Captain Wendy Sue Buckingham is currently an attorney in the office of the General Counsel at the Department of Homeland Security in Washington, D.C., and, re- and a reserve JAG officer. She participates in labor and, import- and labor and employment law in both her civilian and reserve capacity. Wendy graduated magna cum laude from the University of Notre Dame in 2004 with a double major in English and computer applications. She attended Notre Dame on a full scholarship from the United States uh, Air Force ROTC program. While at Notre Dame, she participated in the uh, uh, educational and uh, uh, delayed activity onto a, uh, a attended a law school there. In addition, Wendy graduated cum laude from Notre Dame Law School and entered the Air Force as an active duty JAG officer. Wendy served on active duty in 2007, uh, 2008 to 2012 with a tour of duty in Baghdad, Iraq. She received the Purple Heart Air Force Combination Medal and uh, a Joint Service Accommodation Medal for her service in Iraq. Currently, Wendy lives in Alexandria, Virginia with her husband, United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel William Buck- Buckingham, and their two energetic French Bulldog puppies. If that's not enough, Wendy was, <laughs> yes, Wendy was appointed by the National Commander Ron Seibels for the Military of the Purple Heart as Director of Wind Veterans Issues and Co-Chair of the Military of the Purple Heart Scholarship Committee. So Wendy has a full plate. I can't even imagine how busy she is. And well, it's my privilege to introduce Wendy Sue Buckingham. Welcome, Wendy. Well, thank you so much, Jim, um, for the introduction, and, and Gary and Linda, um, you guys, thank you so much for allowing me to be on the show today. It is very much an honor. All right. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell us what happened on August 21st, 2009? Absolutely. Um, I was stationed at a forward operating base um, in Baghdad, and so I had actually come um, to Camp Victory from the forward operating base in a convoy uh, about two days before August 21st. And then I was headed back. I had to do a briefing at Camp Victory, so then I was headed back to my forward operating base. Um, So myself and then some of my peers that I actually knew, officer and enlisted, um, that were members of the JAG Corps with me, um, we boarded a convoy that was run by the Army. And it was really just a mix of people. So some of the people I knew, some of them I did not know. We were boarding this convoy literally to get us from, you know, point A to point B. Um, The convoy had about six to seven vehicles. Luckily, they were all um, MRAPs. So they were uh, mine-resistant vehicles, uh, much more protected than, than Humvees or any other type of vehicle that we could have been um, transiting in um, on that day. And what happened is, is we were leaving um, Camp Victory. Maybe we were about 20 minutes into the ride to get to our forward operating base. Um, there was an explosion. Um, I found out after the fact that, that what that explosion was um, was an explosively formed projectile, an EFP. It was about um, a 30 to 35-pound bomb, um, and it actually, when it detonated, it went through a guardrail, and so the bomb split. So there were multiple impact sites in the MRAP. Um, and so in the MRAP that day, there were 10, um, 10 service members. There was a driver and a passenger up front. There was a gunner, um, and then there were, 
guess, seven of us in the back, there were um, the seats faced each other. And so there was a group of four seats facing each other. And then there was another group of four seats facing each other. Um, pretty much every single person in the back of the vehicle had some type of shrapnel type wound um, because the bomb had penetrated multiple sites. Um, so pretty much everybody that day went away with, with some type of injury. Um, what ended up happening where I was sitting, um, I was diagonal from where um, there was an entry point where um, a, a portion of the, the bomb itself actually came in. Um, and so um, what ended up happening is I had, um, my major injury was a shrapnel injury um, to my right tibia where basically right below the knee in the knee joint, um, a larger piece of shrapnel ended up shattering my right tibia um, and then causing a lot of skin damage as well. Um, then I took smaller shrapnel wounds um, to my left hand, my left leg, um, and actually on my helmet that has you know a very thick strap on it. I was wearing my helmet at the time. It was strapped on. Um, when I actually got up to exit the vehicle, I was actually able to lift my helmet off my head because a piece of shrapnel had severed that entire band. Um, and so, but, but honestly, probably saved my jaw. Um, so I did have some stitches in my face, but at the same time, um, thankfully, my jawbone was not broken. So. Um, thank God that's all that happened as far as uh, you came back. That's the main thing. Yeah. Wendy, then, do, you, oh, yeah do you remember your state of mind? I, I do at the time, and, and one thing that, that I'll say about that, too, is, is every single person, so all 10 of us made it off the vehicle. We are all alive today, and we all have our limbs. So it is just an absolute, that is an absolute blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, I was fully conscious, um, and I just remember um, trying to figure out what was going on um, because I had heard the impact. Um, I think there's a couple seconds that I don't remember where the bomb was actually hitting, and then I just remember seeing a bunch of smoke coming in the vehicle from um, one of the windows that had been, um, it was actually still intact, but it had tons of little kind of shattering in lines um, where, you know, it was, was cracked. Um, and I remember looking down at my leg, and I could actually see into my leg, my right leg. Um, and so I knew um, that I was, you know, severely injured. I knew my leg was broken. I knew things were bad. Um, and at one point, the gunner actually called out, you know, IED, IED, IED. And I was very, very thankful for the training um, that, the Air Force had provided pre-deployment training um, where I had gone up to Fort Dix for about three weeks with my peers. Um, and we were sort of, I think probably at one point, considered sort of non-combat type type um, career fields. You know, if you're a JAG officer, you're a paralegal, um, you're in finance, you're in contracting. But in this type of warfare that we're fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan, anybody can be a target. Um, and, you know, when you're transiting in the red zone, that's just what happens. And so... Um, because of that training, immediately when the um, you know gunner shouted out IED, IED, I just went right back to training from Fort Dix, where we spent an entire day doing um, basically being in convoys, and you know in one one type of scenario you would be in the down vehicle and you were injured and others had to get you out. In another scenario you would be the one going and retrieving people from a, a down convoy, and then in another you would be setting up security. So we worked, we learned. Um, and trained for every different scenario. And so that training really kicked in on that day because I knew, you know, the vehicle wasn't working anymore. I knew I was severely injured, and I knew I was going to need assistance getting off the vehicle. So it was 
very comforting at that point while being in shock, um, but at least kind of having some understanding of this is, you know, I know what's going to happen next. Um. Well, we just had, you attracted someone else. We have uh, Major Bob Sharps just joined us from the U.S. Air Force, retired. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Gary. And uh, Wendy, welcome aboard. And let me tell you, I'm listening, I was listening to part of your um, description of your injuries and what occurred over there. And I must say that uh, the training that you received is a lot different than what we did back in the Vietnam days. And uh, it appears that... Uh, you uh, uh, listened more attentively than I did, <laughs> but I'm glad to see you here much better. But if you if you look any way as good as you sound, then you have had a full recovery. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. My name's Gary Ray, along with Linda, Bill, Bob, and our guest, Wendy Buckingham. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. The American Heroes Network team depends entirely on voluntary financial support, advertisers, and sponsorships to keep the voice of our veterans alive and bring awareness, education, excitement, and most importantly, hope to the gray reality that exists for the hundreds of thousands of troops that are home and coming home. You can now become part of the elite team and help support our veterans. Your support is needed more than ever before. Become part of the Silent Heroes support team today. The Silent Heroes support team levels start as low as $26 per year. That's only 50 cents a week. Go right now to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and join today. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Thank you for your support. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Wendy Buckingham. And, Wendy, uh, while we were on break, we were talking about uh, uh, how the Air Force offered uh, the rehabilitation and for you to stand during that time. 
Yeah, the the Air Force was absolutely wonderful. Um, the leadership, you know, absolutely kept my family informed of what was going on when I was coming back because I was medically evacuated. Um, and throughout the entire duration of my rehab, which was eight months long, I absolutely had their support. Um, you know, my mission at that point was to get better. Um, so I stayed on active duty during my rehab, and then I also stayed on for an additional two years um, afterwards. So, you know, I didn't have, I was very thankful to not have any issues with medical retirement or anything like that, um, and that they really were um, very willing to work with me um, and, and ensure that I could come back to active duty. Um, but basically what happened is after I was injured, um, I was... Uh, sort of the, the short version of the, the story back is I went to a triage unit at Camp Victory, then I went to a hospital in Baghdad that was American run, um, then to Balad, then to Lonstool, then overnight at Andrews Air Force Base, and then um, to Brook Army Medical Center. Uh, so I flew on a whole lot of different planes. <laughs> um, and, and that all happened within the span of about five days. So it was extremely fast to get back home. I had phenomenal care um, at every single location, um, but then I spent the majority of my rehab time at Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio, Texas, um, and for about a month, I was in the hospital there. Um, I had five surgeries on my leg um, where the doctors actually um, basically re- repaired my leg. They pushed the, the fragmented pieces of bone back together um, so that the bone would regenerate, um, so I was in a wheelchair for about four months after that. Um, and then I spent, there was one month in the hospital and then the seven months, uh, the remaining time that I was there for eight full months, um, I was, um, getting my rehab care, my, um, physical therapy and things like that at Brook Army Medical Center. And then, um, it was wonderful because my family was from Texas and my mother was able to stay with me in the Fisher house, which was located, um, on the Bamsey complex. Um, so literally, you know, my mom could either push my wheelchair or I could push my wheelchair to physical therapy every day. Um, the Fisher House really was just a wonderful resource for us because we were right on site um, and I never had to leave the facility. Wow. wow. Now, Bill, before we went out, before we came back from break, I, you had a, you were starting with a question. I had an interruption. I'm sorry, but uh, if you go ahead and answer you can ask that question. Well, it was it, it was more or less a, a comment, uh, Gary. Uh, okay. Wendy is uh, a, a, just thinking about last week. We had a another uh, woman veteran, and as I said, uh, and you are both products of the University of Our Lady, and uh, and uh, she had a similar story uh, to yours. Uh, I'm interested, uh, uh, Wendy, in you talking a little bit about your working with uh, women veterans, and I, I suppose a lot of those who've come back from Iraq and Afghanistan and maybe in some of the uh, other uh, wars that we've been involved in, and to talk about uh, what your experience has been in working with them in their reintegration and helping them to navigate the process uh, with help and assistance by way of the uh, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Right. I think one of, and that's a fantastic question, I think one of the issues we're seeing with with women vets, and kind of even myself included, is maybe not a willingness to go either find those resources or take advantage of the resources that are there, because there's so many resources that are there right now, and especially through the VA. Um, And whether it's, you know, we're seeing women are really busy because, 
you know, potentially they're trying to find other jobs as they exit the military, and then they've got childcare responsibilities, and they're trying to balance all of that, and maybe this is something, hey, I just don't have time for this right now. I need to get, you know, my career squared away, or I need to get this other, you know, I need to take care of my childcare obligations, or I've got these marital issues going on, and they're not taking advantage of the resources that are out there. So one of the things that um, I'm trying to do with the Military Order of the Purple Heart is, um, one, I email all of our members um, on a regular basis and that are female. And so that way, it's just a quick email communication. Maybe there's an update, something, um, some new program is coming out through the VA, or there's a new, um, I know there's a new employment website um, that the, the president is supporting. And so, you know, we, we sent out an email about that just so that women are getting those communications and they have that. Um, line of open communication where they can talk to other female veterans that have been wounded. Um, and then in addition to that, um, we have a website off of the Military Order of the Purple Hearts website that it just has a series of links um, on a range of topics, whether it's homelessness or education or job opportunities or VA benefits, um, GI Bill, all those different links so that women can go to that website and just whatever their issue is, they can immediately click on it so it's fast, it's efficient, um, and the information is right there so they don't have to um, go looking for it and maybe a website link doesn't work or it's outdated information. So we really try to keep that information updated um, so that they have access to um, the most current information possible. As a follow-up to that, Wendy, would you talk about uh, how women uh, enrolling, if they are, into the VA's uh, health care system and uh, in their use in uh, moving towards using uh, their educational benefits in the post-9-11 Chapter 33 GI Bill? I think that, um, you know, I, for me, and I'll, I can use myself as a personal example, um, you know, I left active duty in 2012 and then, do not get mad at me. I did not enroll in the VA until about a year. <laughs> a year later, I applied for the the compensation and, and pension. So I did look at um, you know if there was any type of um, disability that I may have, and so that was evaluated. And I did that kind of as I was leaving active duty. But beyond that, I didn't start enrolling in VA care because I had Tricare through my husband, who's still active duty, and then I had separate insurance through my job. Um, but then when I looked at VA care, I was amazed by the benefit that I received. Um, because of my disability rating, I actually have basically full coverage through the VA, um, which was amazing to me. And that's something that, until I really looked into it, I didn't understand or know. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. And I think it's one of those things that, again, if, if women are in a situation where maybe they've got a spouse or they've got other insurance opportunities through a job, maybe they're not looking into that as much as they should. Um, and so, again, part of it is encouraging awareness, um, getting information out there to say, hey, this is really a great benefit um, one thing that, actually two things I think are really helpful. I know in, in D.C. and um, the, the VA hospital that's downtown, they have a huge, beautiful new women's facility. Um, and it's this beautiful women's clinic um, with terrific doctors um, who are just extremely thorough and very, very willing to help. Um, and so when I went there, it was just, it was awesome. I had a great, um, great experience with the doctor. She was extremely thorough. Um, it was a situation where I felt very comfortable if I needed a referral for something that, you know, she was definitely hearing me and listening to me and not just trying to get me out the door, um, that she was very patient-oriented. So I was very thankful for that. And I think, what, you know, part of the awareness needs to be we need to get those positive experiences out there as well because that's going to encourage more women to go to the VA. I think with the um, 
additional women's clinics that are being opened and also satellite offices as well that are going to be easier, especially for women that are either single parents or have young children. Um, you know, it's going to be easier for them to go to a satellite office than have to um, go further away to kind of a major VA center that might be further away for their home. And Linda, as you probably know, we have a very outstanding coordinator at the uh, DCVAMC, uh, Gail Bell, who uh, runs the uh, women's clinic over there. Right. We are very fortunate to have the facilities for women here that are really not uniform across the country yet. So it's wonderful to be at the epicenter, if you will, of having terrific female veterans care. Yes. Wendy, you know, you mentioned it took you a little time to sign up for the VA. I was just brought up. I'm not going to mention any names, but it took this. I finally talked him into it. He didn't sign up for 42 years. Um, <laughs> that's not Uh-oh. unusual, Barry. No, it's not. It's not. After 42 years, I'm going, oh, come on. <laughs> He's listening, too. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, well, that's the difference, and that's the blessing that Wendy brings to us. Um, mm-hmm. Um, it's it's amazing to see Wendy and uh, right here in our local area on the other side of the United States here in Southern Oregon, one of our uh, combat wounded uh, veterans. Uh, she's a, a beautiful young lady, and she's struggling quite a bit. But I'll tell you, the conversations that we have about Wendy's outreach to her have been really, really beneficial. And that's the blessing that Wendy brings to us, to all veterans. Wendy is right there for us and uh, and uh, working hard, trying to accomplish things in a real fast pace. And that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the issues, too, that, that women veterans go through, and this is something I've talked to a number of, of women about, and I went through myself, um, when I was brought back to the Brook Army Medical Center, um, I was always segregated from the men, which I'm not saying is, you know, a bad thing or anything like that, but they put women in, a, in separate rooms than the men. And so because at the time I was actually the only um, female wounded service member that they had um, on the hospital floor, I was always in a room by myself. Um, and so there's kind of a, a lack of a sense of community in some ways. Um, you know, going through rehab, even though I was there for a lengthier period of time, um, I was the only Air Force um, service member that was combat wounded. I was the only female, and I was the only officer. <laughs> so it was a very segregating <laughs> um, um, time. Um, and I, so I built very good relationships with my physical therapist and the doctors. Um, there were other service members that I was, you know, definitely, you know, mentoring or built relationships with, but it was still kind of an an officer versus enlisted or there's still some some boundaries. And so I think that one thing um, that I I hope that I'm currently doing and continue to do um, through the military or the Purple Heart is reach out to women to build that sense of community where they feel like, yes, we can come forward and yes, we can talk about, you know, combat wounds and what we're going through and especially issues... um, like PTS and things like that that might be harder to discuss or they don't want to share with other people. It builds that sense of community that, hey, this is an open community where we can talk about those issues. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes, definitely. Well, I'll tell you what, we're just, I know once we start talking, that's going to take us more than a minute and a half, so I'm going to go ahead with an early break and um, listen up. Our water launch is just about to start. <laughs> 
Okay, American Heroes Water is the first of several consumer products that will be sold nationally to benefit the military or the Purple Heart Service Foundation. American Heroes Network and the Military Order of the Purple Heart Service Foundation has entered into an exclusive product support agreement. We also look forward to welcoming American Heroes Water and American Heroes Network Cause Apparel into commissaries, veteran service organizations, food service locations, as well as retail outlets throughout the U.S. Look for American Heroes Water, powered by the American Heroes Network, on your local reseller's shelves in July of 2014. I'm Gary Ray, along with Linda, Bill, Bob, and our guest Wendy. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The American Heroes Network team depends entirely on voluntary financial support, advertisers, and sponsorships to keep the voice of our veterans alive and bring awareness, education, excitement, and most importantly, hope to the gray reality that exists for the hundreds of thousands of troops that are home and coming home. You can now become part of the elite team and help support our veterans. Your support is needed more than ever before. Become part of the Silent Heroes support team today. The Silent Heroes support team levels start as low as $26 per year. That's only 50 cents a week. Go right now to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and join today. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Thank you for your support. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter as the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo@americanheroesnetwork.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Wendy Buckingham. And, uh, Bob, you had a question um, when we were on break. Why don't you go ahead and ask it? Yes, yeah, sure. Thank you, Gary. And, Wendy, uh, in dealing with women's veteran issues, I noticed in this last half hour you talked a lot about those physical pains and wounds. And women have served in the last two wars since 2002 in combat more than ever in the history prior to World War II. 
can you talk a little bit about how they, those that experience those invisible wounds like uh, post-traumatic stress, deal with that? And is it at the level that they're having that your male counterparts have? That is a great question. Um, And I think that, you know, women absolutely still suffer from those invisible wounds as well. Um, And I think one of the... I think one of the difficulties, and actually there's several difficulties, one of them is that, especially for women that are trying to stay on active duty or in any type of you know, military capacity, whether it's guard or reserve, um, they don't want to red flag themselves. They don't want to, um, it's harder to get treatment or maybe they, they just want to move beyond it or focus on the mission at hand and try to not deal with those issues. Um, and so, so part of it is, I think in some cases, it's not dealing with it and just trying to kind of stay busy and focus on um, you know, whatever their current mission is, um, and, and whether that's, um, in some cases, and I'm actually thinking about a particular officer right now that she was actually injured with me, we're sitting across from each other, and, um, and I know in, in, in her case, you know, she's got um, some residual fear, anxiety, and things like that, um, but, you know, she's also got two little kids, she's got a husband who leaves often for work, and, and it's hard to find... Um, the time to focus on yourself, let alone focus on some of the deeper issues that are going on. Um, and so I think that one problem is just kind of a, I'm just not going to deal with this right now. I'm going to focus on these other things. Um, and again, she wants to continue her career and, and not try to cause anything to, to hamper that, not to say that that would, but um, that's out there, that's a consideration. You know, I think another reason, too, is that the women maybe don't feel that sense of um, community um, or a sense of, you know, one of the things that I got invited to do when I was at the Fisher House, actually, one of the guys invited me to a group where it was a counseling group um, and just a bunch of the guys were going um, and it was awesome of him to, you know, invite me or consider that, you know, I could go as well or be included in that. And I think part of it is sometimes our career fields as well as we are getting more into um, into combat career fields, but also just the lines of, of combat are very skewed where it's um, not symmetrical warfare, it's asymmetrical warfare. Um, you know, I think some women struggle with, well, I wasn't in infantry or I wasn't, you know, in this type of career field, you know, I'm just in finance or I'm just a JAG officer. Um, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen. And, and those types of issues um, can make it also difficult to deal with the PTS or whatever other issues going on. Um, because, again, maybe their community that they associate themselves with, wherever that's their, you know, AFSC or their MOS, that typically doesn't happen. And they're trying to, um, maybe amongst their peers that they identify themselves with, they don't um, have people that they can really talk to. So, again, that's one of the things that I'm trying to do is really create that sense of community where women can open up and talk about those things, and they're doing it among peers that understand and have been there. I, I can appreciate that, and I think that is where I think the focus is. They feel more comfortable talking amongst mm-hmm. their peers rather than going through official channels with the option that they may, you know, have some challenges with that or may have some consequences, especially those that feel that stay in. Uh, if, you, if you have a security clearance, they, the, the first thing they think of, they're going to take my security clearance away and I'm not going to be able to function in the career that I'm on, I, I think I can continue to uh, progress in. But do you find that they do talk amongst yourselves uh, and, and with the understanding that it stays within the group? I think that that's something that's definitely, you know, more, a lot more common, and I've seen that personally. Um, there's some women that um, assist me 
um, in, in the work that I do with the military order, the Purple Heart, they themselves are, are combat wounded veterans that are members of the organization. Um, and just through our back and forth emails or phone calls, you know, they've really opened up about things that, you know, how they were injured and then subsequently kind of the, the issues that they still have with that, whether they're physical or whether they're kind of the invisible wounds um, that they carry with them. And that's become a good, you know, sounding board for, for us and just a good discussion forum because, again, everybody, while we went through, you know, while we were wounded in different ways or at different times, a lot of the same issues still arise, um, and we kind of we do have a shared dialogue, um, and I think you just find acceptance in that, and people are able to be more open and more real because they know that other people have been there and understand. Um, and even um, with my specific um, combat uh, combat injury, um, there were ten other people on board. Um, there were three of us who were females that were wounded. Um, and the three of us have actually been able to get together um, on a pretty regular basis, and that has really, I think, helped all of us um, to just talk about more in detail, you know, what happened that day. Different people remember different things based on where they were sitting, based on the injury that they had, um, and, and it really, you know, it's helped us kind of um, individually work through our own issues as we work through them as a group. All right. Wendy, this is Jim. Um, can you address and uh, speak to how your acceptance, uh, and I've got to say from my perspective, your acceptance uh, into the military of the Purple Heart had been phenomenal and uh, your inclusion into all of the elements of it, but can you speak to how that relationship with a military fraternal organization such as the military of the Purple Heart has been beneficial to you? Absolutely. Um, so the way that I got started with the Military Order of the Purple Heart is I was literally in my hospital bed back in 2009 in Brook Army Medical Center. Um, and on the weekends, my parents would come down for the month that I was in the hospital. But during the week, um, I had very few visitors other than just, you know, hospital staff or people that volunteered at the hospital. And I had a laptop set up. Um, and so I started looking. I knew that I had a Purple Heart at that point. I'm like, well, what can I do with this Purple Heart? You know, I'm, I'm used to doing... Um, Jim, as you said earlier, like a hundred different activities. (laughs) And so I went from doing like all this stuff to doing, you know, sitting in a hospital bed all day. So I was like, this is not working for me. I got to, I got to do something else. And so um, I I found the military order, the purple heart. And I remember looking at the website. Um, I didn't understand, you know, the chapter, the, the, the departmental or the national level. I was just like, oh, they have this website and I'll look at, you know, these different things that they do and I'll see if I want to join any of them. And so I actually emailed the scholarship committee chairs and reached out and, you know, said where I was and said that I was really interested in being part of the scholarship committee. And what was awesome is that the, the chairs at the time who were past national commander Jim Sims and Alex Wygant um, emailed me back. They were really excited. They accepted me as part of the committee. And so that's how I got started, um, you know, just as a part of or as a member of the Military Order of the Purple Heart. Um, and so I, I actually became the first female service member to serve on the Military Order of the Purple Heart Scholarship Committee. Um, and it was just, it was a phenomenal experience. And it was great to be amongst other people who, again, shared that common thread of we were combat wounded. Um, and, and through them, I really learned, hey, I can talk about, you know, my combat wound. I, this is something that, you know, I don't need to hide. I don't need to, you know, I can find acceptance among this group and I can, you know, share this with other people as well. So that gave me a lot of confidence in that. Um, so it's sort of a unique way to get 
to get started. Um, and Commander Siebels has just gone above and beyond to really um, make me feel valued in the organization, um, creating this new position as the Director of Women's Veteran Issues, um, and really empowering me um, you know, to assist our women veterans um, in any way that I you know, think is, is appropriate or could, could help um, our female members. So I very much feel empowered um, and very much feel and know that MOPH sincerely cares about um, our female combat wounded and our female veterans. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks, Wendy. Yes, definitely. Jim, now, go ahead. Uh, Wendy, this is Bill. I, I'd, I'd like to just further expand on Jim's question to you, and maybe from the uh, agency where you're employed now, which has a very, very significant and important uh, uh, mission uh, as far as the country is concerned. From the employment side, uh, uh, tell us about women who are coming back now, uh, uh, who are looking for employment, who are in uh, various jobs, uh, where they are now in what we would consider to be non-traditional kinds of jobs that women women are holding now. Uh, have Have you observed that? Uh, is that something that's going on now? When you say, do you mean they're, not, they're in non-traditional jobs in the military and they're coming back looking well, for well, jobs? In the, or? in the civilian area, in the civilian, as they're coming back home to, to home and community. <clears throat> I think, you know, one of, the, one of the big issues that we're facing now in the Department of Labor within the past year has put out some statistics on this, um, is that actually our female veteran population has the highest unemployment rate. Their unemployment rate is higher than non-veteran females, and it's higher than both um, civilian males with no military experience and then um, males who have served in the military who are veterans. Um, so it's really interesting to see that statistic um, where you would think that, hey, these women had educational opportunities either now because they have their GI Bill or because while they were in the military they had some opportunities as well to, to get their education. Um, and two, you think, hey, they had specialized training, um, you know, whether that was a traditional career field or non-traditional career field. Um, so it is it is very interesting to see that those numbers are not, in my opinion, where I would expect them to be because I look at um, women who are veterans and say, hey, you have great training, you have great, either you had your education or you, you have the opportunity for more education, you know, why are we, why do we have a higher unemployment rate? Um, so that is something that's very interesting. But what I also know is that a lot of, um, a lot of agencies, especially where I am at Homeland Security, um, we, rec- we recruit um, a lot of veterans, and we want veterans to work here. Um, when I came on board, um, they were very appreciative of my military service and sincerely appreciative of that. Um, and so in knowing, looking around the office, there's many other um, veterans who work here that I interact with. Um, and it is nice because that dialogue that you had in the military, that chain of command, um, there's people that absolutely understand and kind of speak that same language. So it's nice to transition to an employer where that language is understood versus maybe an employer that has no military relation or affiliation or no one with prior military experience works there, um, or maybe they just don't understand kind of where the where that new employee is coming from. Yeah, and, and a lot of the, the, uh, the, the, the jobs uh, positions in Homeland Security uh, really relate uh, back to uh, uh, military experience and jobs that they may have had on active duty also. 
That's absolutely true. I mean, especially when you look at different intelligence positions, um, different law enforcement positions as well. Um, there's so many positions that, you know, those specialized skills, um, you know, where maybe there's other limited opportunities in the civilian sector at Homeland Security, they really do absolutely have a place um, where their skills um, transfer completely. All right. All right. Well, it's that time again. <laughs> We're going to take a short break. Uh, and what I'd like to just remind our listeners that American Heroes Network is not just a radio program. Stay on top of what's going on. In order to get those updates on your phone, Put in HERO to 80464. That's HERO to 80464. That way you'll receive all the latest updates. And if you are signed up, you're also going to get the latest updates on where that water is going to be, what store it's going to be, and what state it's going to be in. If you missed any of our live shows, all our shows are archived on demand 24-7. Just go to the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. We're also syndicated on iTunes and you're listening. We actually have listeners in 50 states since 57 countries now. I'm Gary Ray, along with Linda, Bill, Jim, Bob, and Wendy. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. The American Heroes Network team depends entirely on voluntary financial support, advertisers, and sponsorships to keep the voice of our veterans alive and bring awareness, education, excitement, and most importantly, hope to the gray reality that exists for the hundreds of thousands of troops that are home and coming home. You can now become part of the elite team and help support our veterans. Your support is needed more than ever before. Become part of the Silent Heroes support team today. The Silent Heroes support team levels start as low as $26 per year. That's only 50 cents a week. Go right now to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and join today. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Thank you for your support. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Wendy Buckingham. And, Wendy, what's being done to support our female veterans? I think that, you know, specifically um, what the Military Order of the Purple Heart is doing, and I'm trying to do through my position, like I said earlier, is really build that sense of community. And so one thing is we are um, writing articles about our female veterans, and I want them to also share their stories because I think that's really going to open our eyes to each other and see, hey, this is, you know, we do have this sisterhood where we've gone through and, and been through these things together um, and really open the door to more conversations. But then those articles also um, shed light, you know, just to women veterans in general and really help open other people's eyes as well. Um, so, you know, ways to get those articles out. We have a military order, the Purple Heart magazine. There's something called the Purple Heart Press that's sent out via email. So those are great ways to do that. And then I also just have the email communication um, that I do regularly with our female members um, as well as, as a way to communicate that. All right. Wendy, this is Linda. I'm just curious if you have any um, female veteran peer-to-peer groups that you recommend. We, and I'm trying to, I don't at at this point. um, I think a lot of it is very individual based on where people are located and what's available in that specific location. Um, That's been Mm -hmm. one of the, the interesting things. Um, for me to figure out, I'm in the Alexandria, Virginia area, and so you know I'm looking at okay, what's in DC, what's in Virginia, and then that's why I have um, women assisting me throughout the country because um, we've got members, quite frankly, all over the country and all over the world. And so one thing is for them to step up in their local area and be able to say, hey, these are the community organizations that are really assisting women in this area. Um, I think we all kind of know, hey, the VA is there. Certain other organizations are just across the board; they're there to assist. Um, but there's definitely organizations that are more active in specific areas. Um, one thing that we want women to do as well is, is to make sure that, like, for example, if they are combat wounded, that they become a member of the Military Order of the Purple Heart and start going to chapter meetings. Um, they may be the only woman in their chapter meeting, but those men have the same type of experience as well, and they want to mentor them. They want to share that with them. They want to assist them. Um, so there is just that um, kind of just a very much a strong relationship there that can can very much help them um, get the care and support that they need. Well said. All right. Yep. So anybody else have any other questions? Well, I would just add to that, Wendy, uh, since uh, certainly we want those who are eligible to join the uh, Military Order of the Purple Heart, but there's uh, another uh, organization there that's probably the first cousin to that, and that's the Disabled American Veterans. Yeah, that's right. That's a very good point, yeah. And, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, there's so many different organizations um, and and veteran servants organizations that are doing great work, and I think ultimately... You know, people need to find the place that they feel the most comfortable um, and where they're going to be able to build those friendships and those relationships that are going to help them the most and provide them the most support. And quite frankly, where they can give back, because I think one of the biggest things is, you know, we were all, as veterans, we were called to serve. um, And I think that people, no matter whether they're disabled or not, they want to continue to serve in some capacity. Um, And and we do really need those uh, 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 service people who are in the veteran status who are recently served on active duty because most of our 
our, our service organization, and Jim, I'm sure you can uh, allude to this, is basically made up of uh, World War II, Korean War veterans, and, and to a degree, Vietnam veterans also. So the more recent serving veterans, we certainly would like to see them joining up. Yes, absolutely. OEF, OIF, um, and that insurgence now that we're seeing and we're we're uh, um, enjoying in the military or the Purple Heart, Wendy will be a strong leader, and all of us in the order are so anxious to watch uh, the uh, steps that Wendy takes in her leadership in this role, as well as reaching out to uh, even male veterans. But she speaks uh, so eloquently uh, for the women's veterans' issues and. Uh, uh, like I see, it's a. Uh, it's last year when I first really observed Wendy and watched her movement in the order. It was a really an encouraging thing to see this happening and to recognize that this is the very beginning of this transitional effort of women being involved and recognized truly as they well should have been and have been from World War II and forward. But. Again, saying that Ron's efforts uh, to bring this forward with Wendy, we have been blessed in the order, and I'm sure there are women throughout the program listening ship right now that uh, would and could should, could be involved, and we're anxious for them to be involved. All right. We only have about two minutes left, and Wendy, we want to thank you for being on our show today. It was an honor. Thank you so much. All thank you all for having me on your show, and it was just an absolute um, honor for me and privilege to be on the show today. I appreciate it. And, and Wendy, what would you like to share with our listeners in closing? You know, I think that um, especially for, for female veterans that are out there, whether you're combat wounded or not, really finding that sense of community and support and taking advantage of the benefits that are out there is really crucial. Um, and so the, there are so many veteran service organizations. If you are combat wounded, Military of the Order, Purple Heart, um, Disabled Veterans as well, they're great um, organizations to join, but just get the support that you need because it's out there for you. You served your country. You deserve that. And there's also other ways to continue to serve that those organizations can further for you. Um, so, again, you know, you get um, the support that you need, but then you can also continue to serve other veterans as well. So it's just a really awesome um, experience. All right. Well, thank you, Wendy. Linda? Uh, Wendy, I want to thank you for pointing out that the peer support, that the outreach, and the opportunities are all there for our women veterans. They may be a little bit harder to find, but with people like you talking about them very openly and so positively, I think today you've opened the eyes of many who are listening today. So thank you very much. All right. Thank Bill? You. Wendy, thank you for your service and continue in the role of veterans helping veterans. Mm-hmm. All right, Jim. Well, I uh, I just say ditto to all that, and I just am uh, again uh, so privileged to be around Wendy and her husband uh, William, and to watch the efforts and watch the uh, the attention to detail and the thoroughness that Wendy brings to her position. Thank you, Wendy, very much. All right, and Bob. Yeah, yeah, and Wendy, at the risk of being repetitious, I want to personally commend and thank you for your honorable service, and especially with your continued service with women's issues, which have been so underserved in the past. And as one Air Force member to another, continue to aim high. Thank right. you. All right. 
Thank you again for being on our show. And today's show has been brought to you by First Class Merchant Services. If you missed any of our live shows, all our shows are archived on demand 24-7 on the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. And remember, the American Heroes Network spotlights and promotes the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, and on any device. I'm Gary Ray, along with Linda, Bill, Jim, Bob, (laughs) and our guest, (laughs) Captain Wendy Buckingham. Signing off, and thanks for listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and have a terrific week. Say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. 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 (laughs) Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray and his co-host Linda Crater again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America, and we truly do believe you're the backbone of our nation. Thanks to you, we're living free. We're a quilt of many colors, and we breathe red, white, and blue. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.